afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with yourself in your pocket. You know, I never really thought about that, Tony. You, the, the coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. That almost sounds like Austin Powers going, allow myself to introduce myself. I mean, I neither. That's good. Yeah. My name is Richie Cunningham, and my co-host is Oprah. And every listener has just unsubscribed at this point. But hey, you know what? We're going to keep this in. We are back with the coaching staff. It is episode eight. And uh, my good friend Tony Davis is on the other line here. And we are talking about this week. What we wanted to talk about was a topic we touched on a couple weeks ago. Uh, last week, we talked about preseason scrimmages and different ways to do things. And this week, we want to talk about kind of one of the other big things that we talked about, which was visiting practices, visiting other people's practices, uh, especially college coaches before we get going with our high school season, and maybe some do's and don'ts uh, when you go to these practices and check stuff out. Um, so that's where we're going to go here today. We're going to dive in with that. So, uh, Mr. Tony D. Viss, are you ready, my friend? I am ready, Marty. It is uh, middle 70s here in Cedar Rapids on October 10th, and uh, I don't know if it gets a whole lot better than this weather-wise. No, no. As soon as I'm uh, done talking with you, i got to change clothes, and then I'm taking Charlie for a walk, and we're going to roam around, and and uh, he will sniff every tree and bush and blade of grass uh, in between now and, and you know, over an hour or so. So I've, I've got some plans after this as well, so... Uh, there you go. He's got to mark his territory. Oh, he mark his territory. It's it's like a nuclear bomb when he's marking his territory. <laughs> so, but uh, I digress. So let's get back into the basketball stuff here. Visiting practices. Um, you know, I got about uh, five, six tips that I had for this, Tony. Um, I can go ahead and get started here with the first one, and we can just kind of bounce back and forth like we usually do, and and just go through some ideas there. So, how's that sound? Sounds good. Little ping pong action. All right. So. Um, I think one of the things amongst the many things you can do, uh, I, I think there's two things that you really search for when you are going to watch another practice, especially like a college practice. And I understand that, um, most of us are limited by time, by availability, that type of thing. Most of us are not going to be able to get into a plane, uh, fly to, uh, Detroit and take a rental car to East Lansing, Michigan, and go watch Izzo practice for a couple of days. I mean, I completely understand that. Uh, but if you have some opportunities, like you and I do, I mean, we we talked last week. Uh, both of us have a couple of NAIA schools within the area. Uh, we have multiple NAIA schools within our area. We've got a division, a uh, couple of Division One schools uh, in town. We've got a JUCO. All of these other different things. Um, I think there's two things that you really look for, in my mind, Tony. Uh, you try to find uh, coaches or programs that do some things that you think will fit within your system or your team for that year or maybe down the line as, as you project out to maybe what your sophomores are going to be in a year or something like that. Or if it's something that you're really, really curious about 
uh, and that you want to get better at. Uh, maybe you don't know, and again, I'm just kind of throwing this out here. Maybe you don't know a lot about the pack line, but you're curious about it. And let's say you're living in Virginia, and you and and maybe you're a zone guy, or maybe you're a pressure guy. But hey, I'm going to go watch a Tony Bennett practice just to check out the pack line and kind of see how he does things there. So I think those are two things that you might want to look for when you're when you're searching out a practice to go to emphasizing the strengths that you have or to help you kind of work on your weaknesses and see how other people teach things so that was number one on my list tony i thought that was really good um you know marty one of the things that you know, you're talking about with a couple division one programs some naia uh, we have a couple d3s out here as well and the reason i bring that up is you know a lot of people are going to go okay division one let's go down the road to carver hawkeye sit in and listen to to fran mccaffrey or lisa bluter or whichever coach that you want to watch practice with and that those are fine and fantastic but there's not many of us that have those players at the high school level Mm -hmm. and so if you're able to hop into a division three um that might be a little bit more comparable to what we have at the high school level. And the other thing that you'll find sometimes with the division three coaches, not that division one coaches aren't teachers of the game. That's not what I'm saying, but division one is, is a lot more run by recruiting division three. You might find a little bit more of the teaching of the game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I would really encourage, you know, don't get caught up in the, the glitz and the glamor of division one. And then the other thing that you also have to factor in there as well um, is what type of athletes do you have? Yeah. You know, it's great to want to run a system, and I understand that. But at the same time, you know, you're not going to have the same team every year or two or three with graduation and, and different things that go on there. You're, you've got to adjust things to your personnel. Now, we all have things that we feel more comfortable teaching than some of the others. Uh, but you have to be adjustable as a high school coach and not get wrapped up in a system. And you've yeah. got to make sure that you're, you're uh, playing to the strengths of your athletes. If you have, you know, a lot of kids that are super athletic, you're going to be able to play faster. If you have some size, you might look at running more of a, you know, high, low game, like what Kansas runs with Bill Self there and Lawrence and things like that. But those are some, some big pieces of advice that I would throw out there is that, Hey, Division one doesn't always mean better. Division three, you could really come across those teachers of the game and, and really improve your knowledge of fundamentals and stuff like that. Um, and then the other thing is to make sure that you're lining up what you have to mm-hmm. what to the, the practice that you're going to. Like, you know, if you like I said, if you're going to a Kansas practice and you have size, that makes a lot of sense. Um, coach, coach, uh, McCaffrey down the road here is known for the fast pace up and down game. If you have that, then you might want to go there and, and see if you can pick his brain on the fast break system and, and different things that, that are associated with it. Mm-hmm. You hit on two things that I had, Tony. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the, you know, the bigger isn't necessarily better. And again, you know, uh, I'm really, you know, we're really lucky here where we live at. Um, you know, Creighton's 10, 12 minutes away over the years. I've, I've really gotten to know pretty much everybody on the staff and, and, uh, got to know coach McDermott and coach McDermott's a great teacher of the game. My son works for coach Hoiberg, been down there a lot, been, uh, doing that type of thing. And, uh, but when you say, uh, that bigger, isn't necessarily better. And I think, 
Coach McDermott's a great teacher of the game. I think Coach Hoiberg's a great teacher of the game. But along with that, their priorities are going to be a little bit different than ours when it comes to a high school practice. Uh, when we're in a high school practice, I think there's two big things that are different from a Division One practice as opposed to what we're doing. And, and why, like you said, maybe a Division Three is, is a great resource to look at as well, or an NAIA school. Um, number one, when you're... when when Coach Mack, when it gets down to it, Coach Mack is is working with his top seven, eight, nine guys for that season more so than he is uh, the 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 guys that aren't playing as much because that's the emphasis at that level. Uh, or Coach Hoiberg, not not to say that they're not coaching players nine through fourteen or fifteen, however many they've got on the roster, uh, but those guys are going to get kind of a little bit more locked in. And that's just the nature of the beast uh, when it comes to coaching at that level. Um, And what they're also going to do is they've got anywhere from 13 to 16 ish, really high skilled players that, and, and a heck of a lot more assistant coaches than what, and, and people to help out than what we have to help out with our systems and our teams. And, when you go to a D3 practice or you go to an NAI practice, they're kind of in more of a situation that we're in at the high school level. Well, they've got 20 to 25 kids with only two, you know, the head coach and maybe a couple of assistant coaches to run that. So I think as you're watching those those smaller schools practice, they're also going to give you a better idea of, of how to keep 20 to 25 players fully occupied with a smaller staff, that's going to give you a better idea and, and ideas on how to manage your practices in those situations as well. Um, and, and along with that, um, again, not to say that Coach Hoiberg, Coach Williams, Coach Bluter, Coach McCaffrey, all those folks are not developing players 9, 10, 11, and 12, uh, but you know we are we have to be dependent on our JVs and our freshmen for the most part to develop our programs. Um, and sometimes in those situations, they're not as dependent on those kids because they can recruit and they can bring in kids or they've got the transfer portal or things like that. And again, it's just two different levels of basketball. I'm not saying we're better and they're worse or they're better and we're worse, but I think those are things that you think about when you're thinking about bigger isn't necessarily better when it comes to observing practices. 100% 100% agree. Um, you're not comparing apples to apples in those situations. You know, and like you talked about, uh, Division Three uh, staffs and then equipment managers are going to be a little bit more similar to what we're involved with. And the thing I really liked that you touched on was player development. You know, you mentioned the fact that, you know, in our situations, you know, in mine, I want to make sure I'm sending as many uh, fundamentally sound players up to the varsity as I can. I mean, that's kind of my job. Don't get me wrong. We want to win games. But the bigger thing is we also need to develop players and need to get them ready. So in a year or so, they're ready to contribute on the varsity level while they can go out, like you said, uh, either recruit another five-star McDonald's All-American or – uh, they can hop in the transfer portal and bring somebody that's an uh, all-conference kid at maybe a little bit lower uh, conference level and then see how they fit in the power five or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you, you walk through those things. And when you go in, you know, you have to be true to who you are when you go 
when you go in there, you can't be the next, you know, uh, Bill Self or, uh, you know, Fred Hoiberg or, or, or uh, McDermott or whatever the case may be. You have to be true to who you are. Yeah. And then personnel wise, you know, there's probably not a lot of lobs that you're putting in for dunks and things like that. Oh, we and got so three plays got, with lobs for dunks. So, you know, you've got a picture of that as well, uh, yeah. just personnel wise. And, and things that go there. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like that you mentioned earlier too, you know, some of them are known for a specific thing that might be unique to them. Like the guy that I coach under, uh, we're known for switching, aggressive switching on defense. And so as you go in to some of these places, you want to go in and be a sponge and, and soak things up. But in that two, two and a half hours that you're there at that practice, you know, you have to understand you've got to pick out some nuggets. You can't, you can't bring everything back with you and go in and replicate Creighton's practice or Iowa's practice or whatever. You've got to make sure you bring things back and you put on on the shelf that your team can can handle it at. Yeah, you you picked up it, Tony. I feel like you, again the camera is inside the pen and a napkin studios here. It's kind of freaking me out as you're looking over my shoulder. But uh, two the, the next two those two things are the two things that were next on my list. Uh, you, you can't do what they do. Even if you go to a JUCO practice, that JUCO team is probably going to be more talented than your high school team. Now, if your high school team is better than a college team, you're obviously you're really, very fortunate. Really, you're, you're very fortunate, <laughs> you know. But but I think one of the things, and, and we get caught up in this. Oh, look, you know, uh, back in the formative years of our coaching philosophy, Tony, uh, when Phil Jackson was really running the triangle with the Bulls. Yep. It, oh, well, look at that. Look at that. and and what everybody started doing. They started running the triangle. Well. Yeah you know, the triangle is a great offense and there's some great nuggets in there, but the reason why it flowed so smoothly, let us be honest. There was, there was, there was a number 23 and a number 33 that were very heavily involved yeah. in that process. And, and I, so I think now again, kind of what you said, Tony, you can borrow those nuggets. You can pick and choose. Uh, I know, uh, again, working with or, or, or watching practices or the games of, Coach Hoiberg or Coach McDermott or Coach Kirk Walker down at College of St. Mary's or, uh, you know, Sean Gilbert up at Midland and, and everything in between, you know, we've gone much more motion based. So now my, my ear is low to the ground of, okay, how can we continue with that free flow with a little bit of structure uh, and, and not have it be total chaos, but have it be uh, a good motion that we know exactly what we're doing. And we do have structure to it, but we're letting the kids make basketball plays. And there are little nuggets here and there that you can borrow from watching those practices and go, okay, hey, that's a that's a great drill that will help emphasize what we're already trying to teach. But we can tweak that drill a little bit to fit our numbers, our practice situation, so forth and so on. Um, but you got to be ready to dummy it down. You got to be ready to dummy it down, and like then, like you said, you can't take everything with you. You, you, you know, you uh, for everything that you put in. So if you go to uh, a Cornell College uh, practice with with Coach Slabaugh down there in your neck of the woods, Tony, uh, mm-hmm. if you take something from him, you're probably going to have to take something out, and that's something that you have to consider. There's 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 a million ideas with this game. You can't implement a million ideas, and that's a hard lesson learned because I think there were times, especially when I was younger, where I would try to implement a million ideas, and it's like just narrow, keep the focus simple, and, and narrow it down. 
Yeah, the, the thing that I like that you mentioned there, um, you know, there's only so much you can store up in your head. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, are you teaching kids to run plays or are you teaching kids to play? Yeah. And I, I, that's a big part of why I, when you mentioned the motion and some structure, I think one of the biggest things as a coach that you can do for your players is teach them how to read a defense. And if they learn how to read a defense, they're going to be able to play rather than, you know, running 15, 20, 25 set plays, you know, where it becomes paralysis by analysis. Mm-hmm. And so those are those are important keys uh, to keep in mind as well, because I used to be as guilty of it as anybody with running a lot of sets. And then, you know, teams will mess with you. Uh, you know, you think you're going to see a man. Next thing you know, you're, you're coming out of the timeout. and They're now in a zone defense or they're running some type of junk defense, triangle and two, box and one, whatever the case may be. If they know that you are an A to B to C all the time person that's very structured, then they're going to have some fun with you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what else you got on your list, buddy? You know, I, one of the things that I think is so very important uh, is to establish relationship with those college coaches uh, because of the fact that a lot of them are great people. I'll yeah. be honest with you, I don't know if I've ever run across a college coach that I would describe as a jerk. Um, and so if you can set up that relationship with them, because you're probably going to come in and get like a superficial, you know, uh, view of what's going on. And if you want to dig deeper into it, I can't tell you the number of times that coaches have sent me stuff. Hey, here's, here's something on our, you know, you mentioned the pack line defense earlier, motion offense or whatever, and they can send you, you know, I always to be famous for their 55 press uh, back when, when C Vivian Stringer was there. Um, I have still have that in my, in my notebook um, as far as things go, but they will send you stuff and just establish a relationship with them. And, you know, like you talk about a lot of times, Marty, be a student of the game. And, and if you want your players to get better as a coach, you can get better daily as well. And, and getting out to these practices and learning from, you know, these people that are, are successful and do it well is so very important to our development as coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, kind of piggybacking on that, Tony, I think that if you are a coach that has aspirations, maybe you're a high school coach right now and you have aspirations to uh, move on to um, a higher level and whatever that higher level is. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important. You know, you, you want to go in and you go to an Iowa practice and you want to talk to Lisa Bluter or you want to talk to Fran McCaffrey or, you know, you go over to Iowa State and you want to talk to Coach Finley or whatever it may be. Uh, but it's almost even more important that if you do have aspirations of, of moving up uh, professionally is to really get to know the assistant coaches and the ops people, because those are going to be the ones that are going to be the next wave of people that are going to be hiring the next wave of coaches coming up. And uh, I, I think that if you're a coach listening to this and you think, well, I'm going to go to the to such and such camp and and let's say you go down to Creighton and I'm going to get to know Coach McDermott or Coach Flannery really well, uh, that's not really going to be your window into getting into the next level. It's going to be talking to the assistant coach because, you know, Coach McDermott, Coach Flannery, Coach Fenlake, all, all of these folks, uh, even at like a Division two level, they've got relationships that they've established over the last 20 or 30 years. And they're going to, if they're going to hire an assistant coach, they're going to try and bring in somebody that they've known for 10, 15, 20 years as opposed to somebody they met 20 minutes ago or whatever that may be. So that's something else to consider when you go to, to a college practice. So, um, and those those head coaches are pulled a million different directions as well. Yep. Um, you know, during the pandemic, one of the things that was kind of 
fun about it was the different Zoom meetings and Google Meets and stuff like that. And so a bunch of us coaches would uh, meet and then different other coaches would contact. And you know, we get Coach Spira, who was on Fran's staff at Iowa. And sometimes they're very available and very willing to share uh, these these nuggets of information with you and just you know Jody Steyer at Iowa State with Coach Fenley is a phenomenal person oh, yeah. that would will help and bend over backwards for you. Yep, yep. Um, I got two more things here, Tony. Um, yep. What do you got? Uh, why don't you go? I, well, I'll go off of you. Okay. If you have some right. good ones, then we might have the same thing again. Okay. Um, don't get caught up in the gender of who you're watching uh, practice. I think is a big thing. And I don't think, and again, I'm painting with an extremely broad brush here, but I think that kind of more goes from uh, men's coaches watching the women's game or watching women's coaches coach, and they think, well, that's just the women's game and blah, 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 and this and that. Let me tell you something. There's great, great women's basketball coaches out there. Don't get caught up in the gender that – the, the, that the coach is coaching. Uh, you know, Kirk Walker here in town at College of St. Mary's, he's done a terrific job. Sean Gilbert at Midland, done a great job. Jamie Sale, uh, who I worked with a long time ago, uh, has obviously done a great job at Morningside. You got Coach Finley, and you know, all these people that we're, we're rattling off here. Um, don't get caught up in that. And, and I'm a I'm a girls coach, but I, I go down and watch men's teams practice. Uh, so, you know, so I, I, you know, don't get caught up in the gender of the team that you're going to observe. You're going there to learn how to be a better coach. And there's good ideas coming from both genders uh, when it comes to, to, to the teams that they're coaching. 100% agree with that. I remember listening to something they were talking about. Gino Oriema, and they asked him why he never switched over to, to coaching men or whatever. And he said, the girls don't deserve an outstanding coach. And there are some really good coaches. I mean, Gino's fantastic. I know Iowa State, when they were kind of going through uh, a little bit of a revolving door in the men's side of things, they talked about having Coach Finley switching, switching over and coaching the men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some unbelievable really good coaches on the girls side of things so i would i would echo that 100 percent. and you know five ten years ago i was coaching girls basketball and really enjoyed it a lot made a lot of great relationships on that side of things and uh you know if you're a coach it doesn't necessarily matter the gender you you can coach either one it's 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 a similar game yep yep absolutely uh you got anything else tony i think i'm all tapped out marty okay uh, let's just end on this, and I think we've kind of emphasized this, uh, kind of especially with this last one. There's good ideas everywhere. There are good ideas everywhere. Uh, the moment that you think you know it all, this game will humble you so very quickly. And it's important, you know, to to keep that knowledge of the game flowing, to keep yourself sharp. Uh, and, and maybe you go down and you watch a two-hour practice, and you might get one thing off the floor that you're going to use for this year's team or next year's team, but then it was worth it. Then it was worth it. And, and at the very least, and this is something I, I kind of figured out, Tony, when I was out for a couple of years, I still went out, and, and I'll always be eternally grateful to all the people that allowed me to come into their gym uh, to, to watch practice. And sometimes you go to watch other practices to confirm what you're already doing as well. And I think that's an undersold aspect of this process is – Sometimes you go, okay, I've been to five, six, seven practices, 
and I still haven't found anything better than the way that we teach uh, our rebounding drills or what, you know, pick the skill. Mm-hmm. And so what we must be doing must be pretty good because I keep going to places and I still can't find anything that I'm more comfortable with or I feel better about the way we teach skill X, Y, and Z. And sometimes it's it's just being able to to have those things confirmed about your own skill set that hey maybe maybe I, I we do kind of have it together in this area of the game and I feel good about that. So I think that's the, you know that's kind of my last thing on this topic here. I would echo that. You know, I've had a number of players that have gone out and played college and they've come back to me and thank me a lot, you know, coach who really got me ready for college. The drills that we were doing uh, transferred over, you know, in, in terms of the college game. And I just felt very, very prepared going in, you know, whether it was the scouting reports that we did or whether it was the skill sets, you know, the, the fundamentals that we worked on or, or whatever the case may be. And yeah, going in there and watching and, and, and seeing stuff like, hey, you know, we, we do okay with this. But I also, you know, echo what you said earlier. Um, if, you, if you ever get to thinking you're all that in a bag of chips in this game, it will humble you very, very quickly. You know, I've had the benefit of being on some some teams that have been really, really good, and I've also had the, the you know the experience of being on some teams that weren't so good, and it helped me to greater appreciate winning and, yeah. and when things go well. Yep, yep. So, coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs, but sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. All right, Tony. Here's your opportunity. You got a chance to even the score this week, right? Yeah, I didn't want to bring that up because I don't want to jinx anything. But I think, <laughs> you, I think you've worked extra hard to, to find a, a tough one that I'm not going to get. That's no, okay. no, no. I, I honestly, <laughs> I don't think it's, it's, I, I don't think it's easy, but I don't think it's tough. You know, okay. and and I'm actually going to tie it into current events here. And the, like I told you before well, we started taping, uh, this might take us into a whole different direction. Um, cool. So, are you ready, sir, for trivia question number eight? I am I ahead am four to three. To see if I can get my second one correct. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see what we got. So, in basketball current events, uh, kind of the big story, uh, the two big stories of the week is. Uh, Victor Wembenyana coming over from France. By the way, if anybody would like to sell their stock on Vincent uh, Victor Wembenyana, I am willing to buy. I am all in. That dude is going to be, if he stays healthy, oh my goodness gracious sakes alive. I, I had heard a deal. They were talking to, I think, a former NBA GM, and they asked him, you know, a question, you know, is there anybody in the NBA that you would not trade LeBron James for back when LeBron James was 15. And the former GM said the only player they would not trade LeBron James for, and this is the NBA, when LeBron was 15, uh-huh. was Kobe Bryant. Uh-huh. And then they went on to say that this cat is a better prospect than LeBron James. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's seven foot four. He's hitting threes off the dribble. He's posting up. He's handling the ball. He's blocking shots. 
Uh, I had seen some stuff on YouTube about him, and when I saw him play last week, he's filled out uh, some. I mean, um, you know, it's it's just health. I mean, that's just it. It's just health. Uh, that's 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 all it is. I mean, there was a there was a dude when you and I were about 10, 12 years old named Ralph Sampson who was who yeah, looked like this sure. guy. Yeah who looked like this guy, but he played within five, six feet of the hoop the entire time. And once he got to the NBA, he started stepping out and playing a little mid-range game, 15, 16 feet. But not like this dude. Not like this. This is like a really, really skilled Ralph Sampson. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's like having Ralph Sampson at point guard. And Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I was just blown away. I just thought he was awesome. So anyway, that was the, but that turned out to be the probably perhaps the second biggest story of the week in the NBA. The biggest story is the internal workings of the Golden State Warriors. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the film or not, Tony, of, yeah. of Draymond. Not uh, good. Yeah, not good at all. Um, and so here's your trivia question for the week, Tony. Uh, this might now become the 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 second most famous fight in NBA history in perhaps the most famous fight the most violent fight in NBA history was I believe in 1978 and there was a player by the name of Kermit Washington who literally almost killed a player on the floor with a one punch strike what was the name of the player that Kermit Washington punched in that game. Rudy, don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion, Tom Janovich. It is an even ball game, Mr. Biss. You have even the playing field. So there you go. See, I told you. I told you. That, yeah. that, was, that was a fair trivia question. Now, let me ask you this, Marty. Okay. If you are the GM of the Golden State Warriors, are you looking to trade Draymond? Are you going to... Uh, let him play this year out and then walk because I think he's in getting ready for another contract, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Or, or are you going to say that hey, there's been a lot of these types of fights before that never got the video footage leaked. Mm-hmm. It happens. It's water under the bridge. If Jordan Poole stays and Draymond can work it out, do you keep him and go because he is the quarterback of that defense? Mm-hmm. But young Jonathan Kaminga mm-hmm. is looking like he might be ready sooner rather than later. Yep. Here's what I would do. And I don't know Draymond Green personally. I don't, obviously, I'm not I'm not Steve Kerr. I'm not Bob Myers. I'm not the owners. All this other stuff. But based on what I know, and I probably follow the NBA a little bit closer than the average dude. Um, uh, here's what I would do. I would sit him down. I would say, all right, first of all, you're not going to say a stinking word about this on your podcast. Because if you do, you're already, we're already going to suspend you without pay, but you need to handle this the right way. And we appreciate all that you have done for this franchise. Um, you are massively important to this, but we're, you know, we're kind of getting tired of this stuff. And I imagine that stuff would kind of get old. Um, the, again, this is my opinion. I don't know the inner workings. I don't know his, his true relationships with Clay and Steph. I mean, um, it seems like they really like each other. They obviously been through a lot. Uh, but, um, 
I imagine we we all have that one friend that, hey, dude, I love you, but at some point we we can't do this anymore. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we we all have that friend. Uh, and, and I apologize if I'm that friend to people. <laughs> uh, but but I would I would say you are a you are a you are of tremendous value to this franchise, and we want you to be a warrior for life. But at the same time, we cannot compromise the integrity of the franchise. And yes, you are really really important to us. But also at the same time. How many other environments would you be this key of a cog to uh, with the players surrounding you? And so, yes, we need you, but you know what? I'm pretty sure as a talent talent evaluator, you need us as well. And because what Steph and Clay and other guys do around him allows him to really just focus on what he's really, really good at. And uh, kind of like a Rodman with the Pistons in, in in the same sense that Pippen and Jordan and those guys did those things, which just allowed Rodman to do what he was great at. And, and Draymond's great at what he does. I'm not discounting that. Um, but that is kind of... Is he of, a Hall of Famer? Is Draymond a Hall of Famer? As of right now, I mean... Uh, God, you're putting me on the spot, Tony. Um, he's he's one of the. Let me ask you this: Is Robert Ori in the Hall of Fame? Just as a question, I don't know because that's who he reminds me. He reminds me of a Robert Ori, and so if Robert Ori is in the Hall of Fame, I say yeah, put in Draymond. If Robert Ori's not in the Hall of Fame, I say no. Then then he's not a Hall of Famer. I think that's the litmus test for Draymond Green, in my opinion. Robert Ori, big shot Bob, hit some really really clutch shots. On a lot of good teams that won titles. But if you base Robert Ory on Robert Ory's own abilities, no. Okay. Then I say Draymond then is is not. And then call that a hot take. Call it what you want. I, I, I think both both guys bring I, I think they're very similar players. I think they're equally valuable. I, I and Robert Ory at times was a, a, a little bit of a prickly personality to deal with uh, at a couple of stops along the way, um, as well. So uh, that's the way I would handle it with with Draymond and and I would just try to emphasize to him, yeah, we need you, but you need us as well. And so yeah, you can sign in Detroit and let's say go back home, but. I don't see Steph. I don't see Clay. I don't see even anybody like you know that type of thing. The one thing that they've kind of talked a little about, like him and LeBron, not so good. However many years ago, but they're starting to kind of line up, and some people are wondering if he might be trying to to transition to LA. Mm -hmm. I I don't know on that one. Um, You know, Draymond did come out. He did have a press conference a, a day or two after the whole thing, and he said, I can't go on this on the podcast because um, I don't take questions there, and I've never backed down you know, and hid when I've made mistakes. His, yeah. his warts and flaws have been out there. But at the same time, you go through and you take a look at Draymond. Um, him and Steve Kerr had to have been separated uh, a few different times. Yeah, uh, with, He had, with he had the big stuff. blow up with Durant. Yep, and then part of why... Uh, Kevin may no longer be there is is due to him as well. He mm-hmm. went after Durant hard too. Yeah. And I agree with what you're saying is like, dude, come on, man. 
enough's enough. We need you. You need us type thing. And then he was going to take some time away. I uh, mentioned that he was in a really, really bad place. And you hope that, you know, it, it allows it. But it'll be interesting to see when he if he comes back, how that whole dynamic is, mm-hmm. because I don't think he's a part of that 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 inner circle anymore i mean draymond was the guy that if the other team started doing whatever to you he would be the big brother that would come and protect you he wasn't the guy that punched you in the middle of practice and knocked you out i mean yeah. he was the protector of those guys you know the yeah. stuffs and the clays and the and the pools that play more of a finesse game that other teams might try to you know be physical with and, and get in their head so to speak yeah and I think he's lost that that position. Mm-hmm. I would say it's pretty much Steph's team now. Yeah. Uh, with, with Clay, somewhat, but yeah. but Draymond will take a big drop on this one, in my opinion. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding, with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to twenty five universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. I think it, you know, if, if the videotape never comes out, I think it's easier for the Warriors to move on from it. I think it's easier yes. for the team to work move on from it because it's just an internal thing. But but now it's not. And now you know, how many times yeah. have we seen recently in the day and age that we're in with this technology where hey somebody got arrested and then all of a sudden the video comes out and it's like they can't be a part of this team or in this league anymore. Yeah. And yeah. if this had not come out you maybe could have played it hey pool was kind of cocky and saying stuff to him and this that and the other and maybe it wouldn't have looked as bad but when this video was leaked um and you see it for what it truly is um i think i think it'll be interesting to see are the warriors going to move him are they going to let him play the year out and say hey thanks for playing uh but we're going to go a different direction with young mr kaminga and I think that is, I, I think they're going to suspend him for X amount of games without pay. Uh, I think that, but I think they're smart enough that we can still, uh, we can still, uh, he's still good enough. He's still enough in his prime that he can still help us win this year. And as long as he, uh, and, and I think for the first time, uh, I think Draymond is truly embarrassed probably about what he did like okay i went too far finally i went too far and there is no denying that i am a thousand percent responsible for the escalation of this situation and and sometimes you just you know we talked about being humbled by the game as coaches and thinking we know it all sometimes players need this type of thing to happen as well and uh you know so I, i i think that you know they're going to, you know, they, like I said, I could see them doing that. And then quite honestly, uh, the Warriors would say, we'll revisit your contract situation in the offseason. But if you want to be a warrior for life, if you want to uh, be part of this, if it were, you know, if you want, we've obviously shown that we're willing to spend money on our guys and we're still winning, willing to spend money on you. But you've got to kind of re-earn this a little bit. And, yep. and and it's not it has nothing to do with your performance on the floor. 
it's you've got to you've got to see this from our perspective that we just can't have this. We just can't have this. Um, and and I think that and it's in that case it's a win-win situation for the Warriors because they have drafted well uh, because uh, they've been fortunate to get some high lottery picks based on some trades and you know they've got money growing out of their ears and yeah. they're going to be able to make uh, deals. Uh, to 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 you know you you know Draymond's kind of a one of one with the way he plays the game, but they can find talented guys that can kind of step in and do some stuff there. So that is that's my nickel's worth of of observation and and I think the situation and how you handle it and how the Warriors might handle it there. Um, I don't think they're going to trade him. I think they'll find a way to mend the fences. I think it's going to take a while to mend the fences, and and they're going to have to put up. You know, last year, you know, when they won the championship, it was kind of a magic carpet ride, and nobody could say anything bad about Steph or Draymond or Clay or any of those guys. They'd caught a lot of heat for having Durant sign with them after they'd won seventy three games, and and for for quite a while, for the last six eight months or so. Nobody's had anything bad to say about the Warriors. Well, now they got to kind of figure it out again, and and they're going to have to figure out some some stuff in the public eye, which they've done before with the whole Durant thing and stuff. So, um, I think they're equipped to do it, but I, I also think that there's got to be a part of it where uh, you know Draymond's just got to figure out what he wants. What 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 does he truly want? It's like we talk about with our kids. How do you want to be remembered? Well, Draymond, mm-hmm. do you want to be remembered as this? you know, one of one unique player, or do you want to be remembered as this with, you know, is this your lasting image? Um, and, and how you is the last thing you did as a golden state warrior was this. And I, mm-hmm. and you know, that's, that's something to think about. Yep. The type of legacy that you want to leave behind, because you know, when everything is said and done, people aren't going to remember your stats. Mm-hmm. They're going to remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And here was a guy who was, you know, maybe willing to sacrifice some personal things. I'm sure he wants more shots. He'd love to score more points a game, uh, but he's done some other things, you know, whether it's initiating the offense, uh, he can garden players five, six, seven inches, yep. 50, 60, 70 pounds more than him. Yep. Um, yep. And he was kind of like the ultimate teammate, in a yep. will, if you will. And now all of a sudden you're punching out Jordan Poole in a practice and Jordan Poole's you know, in a contract situation mm-hmm. and stuff too. And is this another guy that you're going to cost your, your team because of your behavior? You know, you go back to when they were up three, one on Cleveland, he got himself suspended. Yep. Cleveland comes back and wins that in seven games. Yep. You know, when, when is enough enough? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, he got called for, you know, he, he got called for the T or they went back and gave him a flagrant foul for what he did to LeBron. But Okay. I understand you get caught up in the heat of the moment in, in perhaps a situation like that, but you also had to get seven other technical fouls in the playoffs, I think, is was the rule. I think you get eight technical fouls in the playoffs, you're suspended a game. So wasn't there two or three tees that you didn't need to get, but you just tro- chose to do that type of stuff, you know, uh, to, to, to put yourself in that situation? And so, um, you know, again... I think at some point, you know, you know, I, I know Kerr has said you got to let Draymond be Draymond. You got to let him roar a little bit. You got to let him do his thing. Kind of like again, and 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 Kerr was in with Phil Jackson. He played on those Bulls teams with Rodman, and and Jackson understood that sometimes he just had to let Rodman be Rodman. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but there's also a, a point of dimin- diminishing returns with that type of stuff as well. And I, and yeah. I think that's what they have to evaluate. 100% agree. Yeah. So, uh, hey, let's wrap it up here, Tony. Uh, what do you got uh, for uh, what you're looking forward to in the world of sports this week? There are seven ranked versus ranked college football games on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Crimson Tide will be in Knoxville, Tennessee, playing the number six uh, Tennessee Volunteers. That mm-hmm. game has me quite a bit worried, especially mm-hmm. if my man Bryce Young doesn't get back on the field. And then also uh, high school this week, our high school football team goes on the road uh, to play at Johnston in central Iowa. Mm-hmm. And that'll have some playoff ramifications, seating and all that good stuff with it. So those will be uh, some things I'm keeping my eye on as football season starts to heat up here. You bet. Okay. Uh, I actually um, starting to follow the baseball playoffs a little bit. Uh, my Cubs, let's see, the season started on April 1st. My Cubs were eliminated on April 3rd. Uh, <laughs> so I, I really haven't given much of attention to it. But, uh, you know, I really like this new format that they came up with the best of three. I was never mm-hmm. really a big fan, even though my beloved Cubs benefited from the wild card game a couple of times. They just win one game and move on. I, mm-hmm. I really like the best of three concept that they that they ran with this year. Um, I, I think it's it. I think it's quick. It's efficient. It, it's I, I like ending the season. I like what they did. You know, ending the season on a Wednesday and then having the playoffs Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and having that occupy that weekend. I think that's really smart by Major League Baseball. And, good move. And uh, you know, so I'm kind of anxious to kind of just watch a little bit more baseball than I have all summer and and uh, check it out, see what they got going on. So that's what I'm thinking, Tony. So, all right. All right. Well, I kind of thought, you know, I, I loved the discussion that we had about observing practices. I kind of thought with the trivia question that might uh, take us down a, a little bit of a rabbit hole. But I thought our our uh, our points were were really good and, and well thought out. And, and I hope the listeners enjoyed it. So um, anything to add for this week, Mr. Viss? You know, and that's that's something I'd hate for it to happen at anybody's practice, but that is something to keep in mind with, you know, the way that, that uh, things are going, people kind of on edge, more violence and different things like that. That is something that you have to be prepared for and kind of think through a little bit that unfortunately could rear its head at the high school level as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, hey, coaching staff, episode number eight, uh, uh, observa- uh, practice observation tips. I uh, hope you folks have enjoyed it. Uh, if you got any questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. I always appreciate Tony coming on for these. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pay him back some point here. Uh, again, I've got a couple Arby's coupons that, uh, that is going to be part of his uh, bonus. Curly fries. Stuff. Yes, there you go. And I'll even throw in the ranch dressing, Tony. I'll throw in oh, the ranch. So, uh, you, just, you are living high off the hog off of a pen and a napkin here, buddy. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 